Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you turn there with me, the very issue and nature of the kingdom of God is expansion. It is conquest it is increase, but this is not automatic, and we're here to lock in tonight to the wonderful presence of the Spirit of God, to whom we are indebted and to whom we depend to bring that to pass. Can you say amen? We're a Pentecostal movement. Never forget that. That's being challenged, and if you're a young pastor and your doubt is whether you're Pentecostal or whether you're a Methodist or whether you are Presbyterian or whether you are, then get filled with the Holy Ghost because that's what we are. And the whole moving of the Spirit of God brings to pass what we desperately, desperately need, and this comes by move of God. We have enjoyed phenomenal growth in our fellowship for the last 44 years. And we want to lock in our minds again tonight. The theme of this conference is extending the kingdom. That's the theme of Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Follow with me. We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. We're not overextending ourselves as some, uh, as, as though our authority did, did not... Uh, extend to you for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ not boasting of things beyond measure that is in other men's labors but having hope that as your faith is increased we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach to you the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment but he who glories, uh, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord uh, commends. Extending the kingdom. First of all, to extend the kingdom, this is going to hinge on a personal uh, dimension. Now here's a crucial mistake. That crucial mistake is made over and over again in the church world, and that is that some methodology is going to bring to pass the dynamics uh, 
that are going to produce uh, what God intends to do and what we long for, uh, and this is not true. Or in other words, the conveying of information uh, is going to trigger us into some kind of dimension. We see books that are, uh, bookstores that are filled with the keys to and the how-to books, uh, and it's filled with information, but information can never substitute for transformation that comes uh, by a dynamic experience uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And the theme of much of Christianity today is don't do as I do, but you do as I say, and you're going to miss God a million miles uh, because here's the crucial dynamic is to be transformed as a believer as you do the will of God. There's no other way to be transformed. Listen to the words of verse 13. Our boasting is that we have done the will of God. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And 2 Corinthians ten thirteen. we, however, will not boast beyond our measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. So here's this business sphere. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul frames this as my course. It has the same meaning. It means that God has a will for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a call for you. And it's only as you respond to that and obey that call, you're going to be transformed and to do the will of God. Because the kingdom of God begins with you. There's no reason to think about or even talk about extending the kingdom of God until first you begin to understand that extending that is going to depend upon you. So when the Apostle Paul talks about this, uh, he spotlights this, uh, he pinpoints this, uh, and where God's will is done, there the kingdom of God is established uh, at no other place uh, and in no other dimension uh, and this demands a personal growth. Listen to Ephesians 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Second Peter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here we have then the challenge. We have very clearly and simply the perspective. We have the Spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit. He has a will and a purpose for us. And that will and that purpose is to build his kingdom. But that begins with you. And until you yield to that, you're not going to see God's kingdom extended. First Corinthians chapter 14. And verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So here we have then this uh, connection again with the Spirit of God and the dimension of that. It is in the book of Corinthians uh, that says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. If you are a Bible student, that manifestation is the Greek word phanerosis or shining forth. And the Bible says that 
to every believer in the Spirit of God is the possibility of God's Spirit shining forth in supernatural dimensions. And this is what God intends to perform to extend his kingdom. Extending the kingdom of God as it meant to start at this place. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Even as you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Ephesians 3, verse 20 says now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we even ask or think according to the power that works in you. So here we have now this challenge of extending the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will not be extended until you become a vessel of the Spirit of God manifesting forth His Spirit and we're talking about a powerful, uh, a spiritual force going beyond your normal limitation to accomplish God's purpose in and through you. I've said before, I want to repeat it again, that the Christian faith is not so much of what you are, it's what you can become in God. So if we're talking tonight about this week, how many of you want to extend the kingdom of God this week? How many of you want to see God powerfully move, as Pastor Camel said? That's going to begin with you, and it's going to transpire as you yield yourself to and lay hold of God for his gifts and graces to begin in you to establish and manifest that kingdom. Secondly, if we're going to extend the kingdom, there's going to have to be a dimension in your church. That's true for both pastors and for uh, delegates. This is the age of the mega church. And in this uh, generation in which we live, there is a mega mentality that's laid hold uh, of our generation. And that mentality is big is better. I want to say to you, you're looking at an old man, and big is not necessarily better tonight. I want to tell you that. So let's bring this down then to reality as we're here. Because what we have is churches uh, that actually are religious shopping malls. That's re- Some of them are even in shopping malls that they bought. But you're going to miss the point uh, if you do not lock into something. Uh, I remember years ago, there was a pastor from Australia. He was a mega church pastor. I have him over in the old greasy skillet. This is a, a, a prospector skillet, the greasy spoon over across town. Because that was the about the only place you could eat a meal in that time of the night. I had him pinned over against a wall, and I'm trying to pound in him discipleship and church plantings where the action is. He's caught up with mega mentality. I, I preached in his church. I said, uh, how many people should have here? He said, well, 2,000. I said, really? And uh, Well, they're not, they weren't 2,000, but I'm confessing 2,000. Well, if you're, not, if you're confessing 2,000, when it's 600 there, you're lying. So I have him pinned, I'm trying to pound into that the future of the kingdom of God is discipleship and church planting. And he finally said to me these words. He said, Pastor Mitchell, when you're running 2,000 in your church, then the world will set up and take notice and it will give you some validation 
for the doctrine that you had. We probably were running maybe uh, 350 or 400 people. We probably planted 80 uh, to 90 churches. Uh, but he missed the point totally, never did get it. He self-destructed in the process of time, uh, this me- mega uh, church megalomania. Uh, I heard a, a pastor uh, uh, made a statement in Australia. A wonderful pastor has gone on to be with the Lord, uh, Neil Prosser from Darwin. Neil Prosser did a phenomenal work. He's a common uh, uh, pastor, uh, unusual ministry, unusual spirit. Uh, great to know him. His son's here tonight. Uh, and he made this statement, uh, and that statement was, it's not how many people that you have sitting in your church uh, that's important is how many churches have you planted? So let's bring this to the reality here tonight because when we're talking about extending the kingdom of God, it's going to come back down to your church because unless your church is extending, then we're going to miss the point. And verse 15, Paul says that we are enlarged by each other. Now think about that for a moment. He says, we shall be enlarged by you. What a tremendous, tremendous truth is there. Because here, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about a spiritual dynamic. uh, And this triggers us to understand something called synergism. Synergism is a phenomenon in God's creation. Synergism means uh, that when you have the parts uh, or the total effect... uh, of something that's happening, some activity, some organization, some group, uh, the total effect that they're accomplishing is greater when they're cooperating together or working together than the effect of the individual parts added together. So in other words, uh, you have two people. Each of them have a capacity to accomplish. They can accomplish a certain amount. But if they put their labors together, then it's not just two, but this phenomena is they can accomplish the end result of 10 times what one person can accomplish. And so this brings us now to the words of the Apostle Paul that he speaks there, we shall be enlarged by you. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, in verse 10, says, For who has despised the day of small things? Now, this was prophesied in a crisis moment. There is a monumental work of God to be accomplished, and they do not have the vast resources or people or skills or engineering or opportunity. They're trying to rebuild something that the devil has destroyed. And he says these things, uh, for he who has has despised the day of small things. For even these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They're the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout uh, the whole uh, uh, earth. So here we have then uh, this tremendous truth. When God uh, is involved, Little becomes much. Grasp that as you're sitting here. Because there's no superstars among our people. I know there's a couple think you are, but you're not. Amen. There's no superstars. Uh, We are just common people like Neil Prosser that I mentioned 
a wonderful man of God. We're just common people that God has shaped together for a monumental task. That task is beyond every one of us. Uh, and uh, this is the challenge of our fellowship tonight as we're here. We are involved in many people that work together. We have the wonderful dimension of impact teams. Uh, only eternity will reveal the fantastic work uh, that simple men and women who are willing to board vans, uh, go to another city, witness, evangelize, uh, be in the service that night, come back to their church uh, on Sunday and give a report in the service. Only eternity will reveal the tremendous impact. We hear reports all the time of the wonderful testimonies, uh, and this is the challenge of our fellowship, is to invest uh, in another man's ministry and Paul says, uh, we shall be enlarged uh, by you. There are men in small churches that are here. You, most of you have no comprehension of what a tremendous privilege it is. You're pre pastoring 65, 75, 80 uh, people. You can challenge your congregation. They'll buy you a ticket to some one of our works in Romania or in the Philippines or in Europe or, or somewhere and uh, you, you go there and are able to preach uh, in one of our missionary churches, uh, your vision is enlarged, uh, a dimension of God's power comes upon you, and God's grace begins to flow, uh, because this is this business of synergism only multiplied uh, in a spiritual dimension, uh, and the blessing of God comes upon that kind of thing. Listen to Psalms uh, uh, 133. One through three. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So here we have this wonderful prophecy and this wonderful dimension uh, of together. Together is one of the great words of the Bible. Can you say amen? Together. None of us can do this alone, but together we can do this. And God's doing something uh, beyond uh, our ability uh, in our churches uh, around the world. Can you say amen? It's because of this business uh, of extending uh, the kingdom of God uh, our church is reaching beyond their borders uh, to minister and evangelize. Separately, we don't make a very large footprint. This is the language used by the church world. Can you say amen? Not, not the largest church of our fellowship makes a very large footprint alone. But I want to tell you together, we make a pretty big uh, footprint together. Some 2,100 churches over the course of 44 years. This is this business together, uh, and so this is why we want to take a look at uh, beyond our church. Then I finally want to call your attention uh, to extending the kingdom in the fellowship dimension uh, as we lock in upon this. It's a crucial factor. We are here this evening because our father Abraham, who is the father of our faith, who lived in Ur the Chaldees, uh, responded to a call from God that said to him, Abraham, 
I want you to leave what you have so you can have what you have never had. The Bible says he responded to that and began to journey to the land of Canaan where God was calling him to an inheritance he had never seen. He left what he had so he could have what he never had seen and beyond his wildest imagination as he stood upon that land and the grace of God fell upon him he looked up into the sky and said God said look at the stars up there you see the stars Abraham I'm going to multiply your seed beyond the ability to count those stars look at the seashore Abraham I'm going to multiply your descendants beyond the grains of sand on the seashore he's standing there he has no descendants God can do what you cannot do. Can you say amen? Beyond your ability. And so here's the tremendous blessing. But you see, this is easily sidetracked and is easily forfeited. He spent, wasted five years in Haran, up in Turkey. Didn't go straight to where God had called him to do because family took priority on the will of God. I'm wondering tonight, as you're sitting here, as family perhaps is preventing you from doing what you really feel that God has called you to do. Five years lost. Only God knows the dimensions uh, that were involved in that, and only God knows the dimensions that you have lost because you've not obeyed what God told you to do. You see, in this, in this conference, uh, if we do not plant churches, we fail the purpose of coming here. Can you say amen? We're not here tonight to dance and, and carry on and feel religious and, and display our personality. We're here tonight to extend the kingdom of God. We're here tonight to extend the kingdom of God. And if we spend this week uh, and we have not obeyed God to plant churches... Uh, We've just done what the rest of the church world does. We've just had religious services, talked about religious things, uh, and uh, eaten in some restaurants uh, and enjoyed being in Prescott, Arizona, the center of the earth. <laughs> there was a man, not very many years ago, he made this statement. This man had ability. This man is facing a change in life and he has to make a decision to what he's going to do. And this man said, I'm too old a pioneer. Now, how old do you have to be to be too old a pioneer? I want to read you a letter. This is from uh, Dan Mazan. Dan Mazan closed his business he and his wife, Nancy, I think Dan is 66 years old, closed his business, left three sons and daughters-in-law, left a bunch of little grandbabies, and launched off to follow Mike and Yolanda Stamper, who had pioneered a church and still being pioneered in uh, Kathmandu, Nepal. 66 years old. Think about this for a moment now. So here we have this work 
that he responded to. Here's his letter that I received yesterday. Hello. Just a quick update. God is continuing to help us tremendously. We had 76 people saved last month. Just today, we had to visit a woman from our church who's hospitalized in ICU. We saw 11 people saved today with two notable healing miracles at the hospital. We prayed for a woman. Uh, uh, we prayed for a woman who could not walk, and she immediately got up from her bed. As she was standing on her own, the man in the next bed who'd just gotten saved said, I feel so much joy. He, he just had a major operation, but realizing uh, he was healed as well, he gathered up his belongings uh, and left the, uh, the hospital with his wife. They were rejoicing together as his wife uh, had also received Jesus. How old do you have to be before you're too old to find it? We want to thank you again for this awesome opportunity. Have a great conference, Dan and Nancy Mazan. That man who said, I'm too old to, to pioneer is not now in the ministry. He's working at a job. Lost the destiny of his life. See, something happens to you in your spirit. You don't just make decisions, and those decisions, well, you lay it aside. Something happens to you when you make the decisions of life. We are body, soul, and spirit. When we make decisions and we shut down in life, Something powerful begins to transpire, and we cannot even dream how that's going to play out shortly in our lives and as it plays out. Because now this evening we're talking about the heart of God's purpose, who is extending our fellowship dimension. Look at this text again. Paul says, to preach the gospel in regions beyond you. Paul was the first missionary. He was in Antioch when the Spirit of God moved upon that congregation, launched he and Barnabas off. They went into Cyprus, up into Turkey, Greece, was aiming at Rome and finally wound up in Rome. And this is the heart of God. This is the heart of the Holy Spirit. There's a book that I read to the ends of the earth. In that book, it makes a statement that says, when the Spirit of God comes in, a missionary spirit comes in. If you have no heart for regions beyond, uh, I have questioning of your experience uh, with the Holy Spirit uh, of God. So think about this for a moment as I wind this down. Some years ago, we were on a tour we're coming from Turkey over into Greece, uh, and the tour guide slowed the bus down and stopped uh, uh, as we were climbing a hill, and he said, now look over to your right side, uh, and you can still see the old uh, Appian Way, the old Roman road. The new highway's been built, but they just left that there. They, it's still intact. There's probably 30 feet of it, or maybe that's uh, there visible. You can see there. And as I'm looking at that, I'm thinking about, here's a man that through the Holy Spirit wrote these words, regions beyond. This man walked 
on that road. He might have been riding a donkey, I don't know. But more commonly, he probably was walking. And as he was walking, he had walked across deserts. He had forded rivers. He had faced danger, which he enumerates over and over again. He'd been shipwrecked. He had, and so I'm looking down on that road, and my heart's smitten within me because I realize here is a man of God that has walked that road that I'm looking there in the time of history, 2,000 years ago. And he did that because he had a love for precious souls. Think about that. What wonderful blessing is ours tonight. Hear reports by phone from Shanghai, China. Hear report from a man, a black man from Nigeria. Different world than we live in. But here, all of us working together. Hear reports from a man from Romania. Can you say amen? What a blessing is ours. What a blessing is ours. What a blessing is ours. Because of a love for precious souls of humanity. Now we have to make this real this week. This is why I'm preaching. And this is what we're after. Because it's already been mentioned. Our dear brother from Nigeria says the people in Nigeria are the people who are waiting. What did he say? 180 million people? The people who are waiting. And he did his job well. He made you feel convicted about Nigeria. Amen. The people who are waiting. Years ago, I read a very interesting illustration. I may have used it 20 years ago. I want to use it again. It was a statement of a missionary, and this missionary was relating how an elderly woman, 100 years old, had just been one to Jesus Christ, given her heart to God. She is overjoyed. First time she's ever heard the gospel in her entire life. She's overjoyed. And then she asked him this question, how long has the church had this message? He said, 2,000 years. She said, 2,000 years? 2,000 years? And you just now are coming so that I could hear it? 2,000? I would have believed many years ago had I heard this. So now let's think for a moment. The people who are waiting. Let's think for a moment. As we draw this to conclusion, India and China hold 25% of the entire world's population, just those two nations. Now think about this for a moment, uh, because none of us, as our, our, our brother uh, Mazan said, this, uh, what a tremendous, the challenge there, none of us can do this alone. But let's think about this for a moment, because these two nations, uh, and Paul said in this, we are enlarged when your faith is enlarged. We have a wonderful fellowship that God has raised up. We're enlarged when your faith is enlarged. When your faith is enlarged is when you obey. Until you obey, you're just simply making noises, 
and going through religious exercises. We shall be enlarged, the apostle says, by you, and we are enlarged by you when you obey. Someone wrote these words, The Christian faith has not been found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. In the nation of China, we have some workers. Here's some interesting little twist to this. Josh Lobato, his wife, just went there as missionaries into Soju, China. Greg showed me on his cell phone a picture of Josh and his wife gathered. They have the baby in a stroller. There's probably 30, 40 people gathered staring at this little baby. This little baby is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, curly-haired baby. This is the first white baby they have ever seen. All the missionaries want to borrow him to do outreach. Does that seem simple? Yes, but here's the fields that are white into harvest. I received a letter from Carlos Salivas. Bear with me as I share this with you. Pastor Mitchell and Greg just wanted to send this before conference. I've done a little bit of research and have seen some of these cities firsthand. In a couple of these, we already have contacts that would be able to help a couple to get started. I hope I'm not bothering you as I know you're both very busy. But the need is overwhelming. At times, the need appears too much to even contemplate. These are just cities that are within a couple of hours train or closer to me, except Zhongo. I only included this because there are a couple of guys that were in our church that have already moved there for work but be willing to help. As always... I'm so grateful for the opportunities you've given us. Thank you so much. Uh, stirred for China. Here's a list of cities. Zhangjin, three and a half million, within two hours' drive of where he is, uh, train ride. Wuzhou, six million. Nantong, eight million. Zhangjin, two million. Nanjing, eight and a half million. We have some contacts there, he said. Hangzhou, eight and a half million, very similar to Soju. Chosing, five million. Ningbo, seven and a half million. Couple has asked for a church. Best friends with my main translator. Wingzhou, ten million. Changzhou, five million. Xinjiang, six million. Zhangzhou, ten million. And he says, uh, uh, we have very good contacts here. Even a businessman that said he could help. Another area worth mentioning is Chongqing. This city has an estimated population of 25 to 30 million. Uh, it's more inland. The people who are waiting. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed in this building. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh.